adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! This way, a culture podcast up in the latest and greatest news from the world of Serie A and European soccer and world soccer, world football. My name, of course, is Michael D'Angelo, and with us, as always, we have Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. We've got Giju, Julian D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? We've got Canadian Kanan singing. Uh, he just walked out, though. He, he was singing that live, and he just walked out of the room. Um, thanks for coming, Kanan. Thank you. Yes, perfect. We didn't have uh, it in the budget for him to sing the whole song. So. No, it was only the first minute and a bit. Um, and then we said, you got to go, bud. You got you to get out of here. Uh, that was a World Cup song, right? Yes, I think so. 2010, I think. Let's look it up. South Africa? Yeah, 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. I'm ashamed that I know that still. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. It seems so long ago. Host nations South Africa and both 2006 World Cup finalists Italy and France were all eliminated in the group stage of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Is that sad? Yeah, we shouldn't talk about the 2010 World Cup. <laughs> or uh, the 2014. If... <laughs> or 2018. <laughs> 2006 only. <laughs> yes. And 1982? <laughs> God. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, no Paulo. No Paulo again. Yeah, he's on his sabbatical still. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting that he, he chose uh, this time frame to take his break from talking about soccer when <laughs> the world is talking about soccer. Paulo, he's, he's, you know, he's on the same schedule as you and I. You know, he's got his own, uh, he beats to his own drum. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Is Lego is Lego Pro running right now? I think so. You know who would know? Paulo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say, he's, he's probably watching a game a day there, Lego Pro. <laughs> scouting. Yeah. That's what we'll say he's doing. Yeah, he's scouting. <laughs> hey, the uh who is it? The Dutch keeper was playing in Lego Pro like four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Paulo's trying to find the next Dutch keeper. <laughs> he's working for the Dutch? <laughs> yeah, but he is back in this World Cup. So there are two things I hate in this world: <laughs> <laughs> people who are intol- intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. Good for him. Um. Yes. Wow. World Cup 
2022. Uh, what a start. What, it's been a weird start to the tournament. It's been very strange. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't remember the last World Cup group stage with regards to upsets, but I feel like uh, there's been more than what we're used to. I feel like every tournament there's there's some Something, sort of upset, for sure right yeah but, yeah yeah uh we've had i'm just kind of go, going through it quickly here obviously the saudi arabia upset over yes Argentina. yes uh, big, japan, massive. excuse me japan germany yep uh upset there i don't know if morocco drawing croatia as an upset maybe on paper and betting odds that was but i'm i'm not that surprised i don't know about you guys but i don't and i know julian you're uh a Croatia supporter uh, with the yeah. uh, former Inter players that have been there. But I, for <laughs> me, anyways, I wasn't that surprised. Uh, with um, that. I mean, no, like I find Croatia, again, I had them doing well in 2018 and I got that one right. But mm. um, yeah, I feel like they're, they really do lack a good striker and their defense. While Vardiol, I think that's how you pronounce it, will be very good. I mm. think he's kind of really that only piece right now in the back. But I mean, their midfield is still fantastic. So I think they can hold their own with anyone, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a huge surprise that I think a lot of people are underestimating Morocco as well, especially yeah. being in Canada's group, right? We have everybody, we see Always, a lot of people in yeah. Canada. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, Morocco, there are nobody's. And it's like, well, no, their whole starting 11 plays in a top five league somewhere. So, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be decent. And we, we were talking about that, I think, last week about that, too, or whenever we were trying to give our, our stupid pre-tournament <laughs> predictions, yeah. which may already be uh, good for the bin. But, um, yeah, you were, you were mentioning, I think, maybe it was on the pod or maybe it was just outside of the pod, but we were talking about how Morocco, again, you know, you don't underestimate them, right? Because again, just because, like you said, some people are probably easily doing so, you know, I mean, the whole tournament in general is proof that the the second that you do that, you put yourself in a perilous position because like, again, look at Germany, Japan, and Saudi Arabia, Argentina. Like, all it, that's the best part is that anything can happen. Why we love the World Cup. That's right. The World Cup of football. Football. Foosball. Who's balls the devil? Um, yeah, I mean, any other uh, big, I guess, results that we need to chat through? Um, I guess we're going to see, by the time this comes out, uh, we'll have the remaining games, I guess, on on the Thursday to kind of uh, balance out the rest of the, of the first matches of, of the opening week, I guess, of the tournament. Um, but what we're really here to chat about, obviously, is uh is the belgium canada game uh because yeah it was uh obviously it's a marquee for us uh being canadian and uh obviously it was if canada you know if if canada was gonna have a challenge for sure uh or be able to challenge you know you wanted to see how they showed up against probably the best team in their group today uh and honestly i think it was probably a really good audition What what do we what do we think about the game that uh, Canada played against Belgium? Julian, go ahead. Um, so, unfortunately, I was working, so I was listening to it on BBC Radio 5, and then I was able to catch, like, the last 20 minutes of it. 
Are you telling um, me that it wasn't a national holiday here that everyone was allowed to be at no, home? No, unfortunately not. There's still yeah. a lot of people who don't appreciate the beautiful game. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, from again, I from what I was listening to at least, and kind of from what I saw towards the end, like Canada were the better team and did deserve a better result. Um, now, unfortunately, we've all grown up playing sports. If you don't take your chances. It's kind of inevitable the other team will. So Belgium took their chance and Canada, unfortunately, did not. Yeah. And, and notably, um, there was a really uh, <laughs> a great chance for Canada really early on. They, they, were, they came out, again, uh, really, really hard and fast. Um, and they were definitely the more impressive team uh, to open up the, the game. And so much so that, again, they're, they're pressing so much that uh, they got a deserved penalty really early. Um, and uh, Chris, why don't you take us through that? What happened there? Yeah, so it ended up being a handball call. And, you know, during live play, there there were a few Canadian players, the ones closest to the ball that were, were asking for it. And it, they did end up doing a VAR check and referee points to the spot, which was which was a great way to kind of top off that first 15, 20 minutes of the game because – I don't know about you guys. I was I was nervous. Not that Belgium was going to put three or four past us in the first 15, but I guess I just didn't really know what to expect. And then seeing how positive they were, it was uh, it was nice to see kind of that good start result in a penalty. Um, it does end up getting saved. And then immediately, of course, the discussion turned from, you know, how well Canada did in that first 15, 20 minutes to – why did Alfonso Davies take the penalty and not Jonathan David or whoever else you prefer? Mm-hmm. So I, I think for, basically from you know what we're seeing on Twitter anyways is it came down to, you know, does Alfonso Davies take it, your best player, or Jonathan David, who takes penalty kicks for Lille? He's taken, I think, a dozen penalties for, for Lille, so at the professional level, whereas if Alfonso Davies... I believe he hasn't taken any for Bayern, which fair enough. There's tons of studs there at Bayern that can probably take care of that. But I believe he's taken one or two for Canada. So I don't mind Davies taking it. I get, and obviously because he missed, then it's easy to to point to that and say David should have taken it. The way I look at it is if Herdman was confident enough to list Dave, uh, Alfonso Davies as the, the penalty kick taker, then you kind of have to trust his instinct. At the same time, Alfonso Davies is your best player and if you can't trust your best player to go and put one of those away, then uh, I think he shouldn't have been picked from, from the get-go. So again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think it's easy now to look back and say David should have taken it, but I, I don't mind Davies taking it. Obviously, I would have preferred for a different outcome, but that's <laughs> That's my take on that decision with Herdman or whoever you want to point the finger at. Yeah, and you're right. Like, no matter how, <laughs> no matter what happens, I guess, uh, especially if it's a negative result, you always look back and be like, okay, well, maybe this person should have taken it. Of course, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? That's just natural to, to, to say that. But um, again, even after that, though, there was still a lot of... Uh, it didn't deflate Canada, which was really good to see. You know I mean? they Even though they missed a golden opportunity, literally a golden opportunity. Um, 
again, it was nice to see that they they still had a lot of uh, desire to put pressure and, and really put the game to uh, to Belgium. And again, I think there was actually a couple more uh, opportunities that, like again, maybe even shouts for other penalties and stuff too that that kind of happened throughout the the opening half. Yeah, there was a few. There was definitely the one on Lorea where I think it was Axel Witzel who kind of cut in front of him. I've seen stuff. I've seen penalties given for less, so I thought that maybe could have been given. And there was one other play. I'm trying to think of it now. It'll I think, was in there another handball? It might have been another handball, yeah. So uh, definitely a couple of good chances. I thought Buchanan and Jonathan David had a couple of decent half chances as well. But uh, to go back to the Belgium goal, I know this was being talked about a lot in the lead-up to the World Cup, which was that, you know, this is kind of the difference between your Belgiums and your Croatias of the world and your, you know, no disrespect, but your, your Honduras and your, uh, you know, Curacao, those, those smaller countries there where at this level, they just need that one decent yeah. chance. And they're going to put yeah. it away. And, and that's what Batshuayi did. It was, it was a great finish. It was the really one mistake, one really big mistake Canada made that led to a goal. Uh, the one thing I will say um, so before I let Julian jump back in or Mike, if you want to jump in inside that first 20 minutes, there were two really good counterattack opportunities for Belgium. And I, it, for me anyways, in those moments, Canada was way too open. I think De Bruyne himself even said it after the game, he was surprised that he won player of the match because he didn't think he played well. And I agree, I would definitely agree with his assessment. I thought there were two or three times where, his decision with who he passed to was was poor. Not not that he turned the ball over, but uh, there was a much better option that could have led to not a clear-cut chance, but definitely a, a decent goal-scoring opportunity for Belgium. So that's definitely something Canada will need to, to address before the Croatia game. But um, as a measuring stick to see kind of where we're at in the world, I think they definitely outperformed what everybody was expecting from them. And... Again, the result sucks, but definitely positive um, outlook on the, the the upcoming two games. For sure. And I think, again, it's important to note just, again, how, how I guess, maybe not naive, I want to say. Just, it's, it, it's almost, it was a young, uh, I guess it's young mistakes to do that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's almost an inexperience, I'll say. Uh, to kind of allow, um, you know, the counter like that to work the way that it did, and you know they'll they'll hopefully learn from that, uh, and then going forward again, if the, uh, you know, if the Croatia game has similar kind of, you know, I guess if the 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 run of play is the same, you know, hopefully that means that Canada can kind of. Uh, attack it differently and, and really, you know, pull it together instead of, you know, finding a way to lose it, if that makes sense. Julian, what do you think? Um, I mean, they, at the very least, they need a result now from the Croatia game, but I think it is definitely doable. They, to be honest, Canada surprised me. I knew they were kind of going to be underdogs. They were going to try and stick to their game, but I didn't think they would have as much success as they did against Belgium. Um, and I think against Croatia, they can do the same. As I mentioned earlier, the Croatian defense isn't great, and they definitely don't have that attacking prowess that Belgium does either. So 
we'll see. But I think um, Canada, I think they've actually gained quite a few new fans after their performance today. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if uh, they have a lot of people kind of jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, one thing I, I like that you highlighted the, the differences, Julian, between Croatia and Belgium. One thing I, I've appreciated from, from Herdman and his staff basically since they took over was that they are very flexible tactically. And I guess you have to give you know credit to the players as well. But it, it feels like Herdman never really gets too comfortable with one tactic. So, again, today it was that 5-2-3 more or less. I'm sure you can call it something different if you want. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a completely different formation or to completely different shape and maybe a different tactic altogether uh, in the Croatia match. Uh, again, I know they're, they just seem to do a really good job of preparing specifically for each opponent. And, you know, it might mean maybe Alfonso Davies is playing as a left winger instead of a left wing back in this game. And, you know, maybe Kyle Lahren starts with Jonathan David up top in a four, four, two. So um, yeah, I think that, that gives me confidence alone, just knowing that, Herdman and, and the players have the flexibility to kind of adapt based on who they're playing and the, the type of team they are. Yeah, that's one thing actually I'd like to see. Um, I thought Laren actually, when he came on, kind of added an extra element to Canada's game. They had a target man that they could then go forward with. So I'd like to see him partnered with David uh, to start the next one. Yeah, I... I... In my opinion, anyway, because I think he came on in the 60th minute. I I just found, I don't know what you thought. I found that once he came on, we just seemed, and I, and I get it, he's, he's a big body. We just seemed a little bit too happy to cross the ball in early instead of trying to play through. Now, I acknowledge that Belgium was sitting back a bit more, so there wasn't as as much space. And, and Laren did get a couple of, of half-decent chances. Um, but yeah, I just thought that we we're maybe relying on him a bit too much in the air. I think he's, he is decent with his feet. He's not as good as Jonathan David with link up play and combining, but uh, I just didn't want to, um, yes, see Canada float as many crosses in as they did. But to your point, Julian, Croatia, you know, maybe aren't as stellar at the back. So we might be able to get away with a, a Laren David combination up top. Uh, I still think, I mean, I don't think you can get away with it every game, but, a front four of, of Davies and Buchanan as your wingers with David and Laren up top is, is very dangerous. Obviously you have to balance that out defensively, but uh, definitely won't be a shortage of opportunities if, if they play with a front four like that. Now why Davies kind of played in the middle. Uh, is that, is that fair to say? Like he wasn't playing on the wing. He, he wasn't a, a traditional winger like you would say in a four th- in a four three three. Um, he was basically playing on the outside again. If we're calling it a five two three defensively, he was kind of on the outside of that five. But because they were essentially playing with two center mids, Ustakio and Atiba, I think well to me anyways it looked like Davies would kind of pinch inside a little bit yeah to kind of give him a bit more balance knowing that he still had the three center backs behind him for cover it didn't it didn't yeah and it didn't not work to be honest it's just that Mm. i found that maybe again him coming off an injury and maybe not being you know 100 uh fit if he's 
if he's able to play, maybe he's 100% fit. But I, I just think maybe there's like a little bit of rust that maybe wasn't shaken off because I think it worked in the sense that he was still um, pivotal in, in kind of in the game, but I don't think he had a great game. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's the positioning that that was well suited for him necessarily, if that makes sense. No, it does. The one thing I'm, I'm thinking of now is I'm sure Belgium, knowing that Davies is, you know, Canada's main threat, would have been planning for him to be in wide areas and we're probably trying to prevent him from getting the ball in wide areas. So right. I'm wondering if Canada was trying to find ways for different ways for Alfonso Davies to get on the ball. And that meant him coming inside. And I agree. I, I didn't think he was effective there, but we can also give him, I don't want to use the word excuse, but like you said, Mike, he hasn't played competitively in three weeks or so. I know he's been training, but it, it's obviously not the same. So, um, but like I said earlier, I think I wouldn't be surprised anyways if, if the game against Croatia brought out a different tactic altogether for Canada and it changes Alfonso Davies' role. Right. Now, that game is on Thursday? No, sorry, Sunday? Uh, yeah. Sunday. Sunday. Right. Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. the Belgium-Morocco game is at 8 a.m. Eastern time. It's the one before. Right. Um. And Canada, I mean, they need, regardless of the Belgium-Morocco game, they need a result at the very minimum against Croatia if they want to advance. For sure. So, yeah, as the group stands right now, again, Belgium, obviously, with the win, has three points. The tie of Croatia-Morocco, one and one, um, and then Canada with zero. So, yeah, you're right. A result would at least pull them within striking distance of, assuming Morocco won't win against Belgium. But, I mean, they could. Again, if, if that, that would open up things incredibly uh, but even then, what, what's what's the result? I guess obviously a win is always great. Um, what's the what, what are we thinking is going to happen here on on Sunday? I, again, I, I don't know if, if today's result just kind of gives me those rose colored glasses, but I, I think it's hard not to be optimistic about optimistic. it, right? Yeah, and like I said, they, they put in. A hell of a performance. Roberto Martinez, I, if I'm reading between the lines, he basically said Canada were the better team. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't say Canada should have won the game, but uh, I think he was trying to say that Canada deserved more than a loss, so implying that a point would have been fair. So, yeah, again, you combine that with the fact that, like I said, I think Herdman and this staff do a good job of preparing tactically. I I don't – it's definitely not going to be an easy game. I, I don't want to say I'm overconfident, mm-hmm. but I, I can see Canada coming away with with a point. And, you know, if, if they play as well as they did today, then three points is possible. Right. Uh, I would have never said that six months <laughs> ago. Maybe even maybe even two months ago, I would have never said that. But, right. again, after seeing the way they played today, it, it's hard not to be optimistic. For sure. It was definitely, again, a courageous performance, we'll call it. Again, it, it's it's a different stage, right? And, and you never know how you're going to be able to perform um, until it actually happens, right? So it's just nice to see, like you said, it's nice to see that there was there was a push. There was actually, like, it wasn't just a mistake almost that the, the way that Canada uh, finished the qualifying as well and, like, you know, the, the run of form that they were on to do that. Like, it, it seems like it's it has at least carried into this. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I think 
maybe they were running on adrenaline, but we'll find out, I think, on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Julian, what do you think? Do you think it's, uh, what do you like? Do you like Canada's chances? I think they can get a, a result okay. against Croatia. I don't know if they'll be able to beat Croatia again, as we alluded to earlier. I'm normally a little bit biased towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a result is definitely possible. And then yeah. from there, it'll go on to the last match day to yeah. figure out Canada's chances on how to advance. Yeah, I think realistically, I want, if you're Canada, maybe you want Belgium to win it out, to win all of them, I think at this yeah. point, right? Because you, you probably want the most chance against the two teams instead of it being a wide open bracket or whatever and having to lose on something stupid, right? But. At least if uh, Belgium wins out, then you know you take care you take care of business in the other two games, and you're at least in a good spot. Uh, okay, well that is that. Then uh, kudos to uh, Canada for a good showing. Uh, what else do we got? Let's. Uh, there, there is something I want to chat through, I guess, uh, which is new to the World Cup, uh, if I'm correct. It's like this this whole injury time, kind of how they're dealing with extra time kind of thing. What, what's what's that? What is it? Julian. <laughs> Julian. <laughs> Only because so, you, you shared that article, I think. or that, that Julian's the most yeah, intelligent so, of all yeah. of us. So, Julian. <laughs> Explain so, it to the dumb guys. They're testing out, basically, is it active play? I think that's the proper term. So basically any time the ball goes out of bounds or the ball is not in active play, um, they are counting that towards the extra time at the end of each half. So that's why we're seeing such an increase in the allotted extra time, except for the Canada game, which I digress. Um, But that's why we're seeing like seven minutes added on, eight minutes added on, because if the ball goes out for... 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds, and it's not thrown back into play, then those 20 seconds get allotted at the end of the game. And there is actually a bar referee whose only job is to calculate and accumulate, I guess, however many, at, or however much out of time is needed. Yeah, uh, I, I think that, that pretty much sums it up. I, I didn't know this was coming in. Usually... FIFA does a good job of announcing rule changes or proposed rule changes. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't know this was going to be a thing. I I didn't either. Yeah, I I, I like it. I one thing about the sport that that I've hated, uh, maybe you know you guys as well. I'm sure. Obviously, we we know that embellishment is is kind of part of the game, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But when when people are on the ground for way too long for contact that doesn't merit being on the ground for two, three, four minutes. Now this kind of negates that, right? It doesn't give players an excuse or a reason to stay on the ground. Same thing with, I believe when substitute, when subs are coming off and they want to, you know, walk, you know, the longest way possible to get off the pitch uh, that, that time's all just being added on at the end now. So I think what's going to happen over time, I human nature is, players will realize that the time-wasting tactics aren't really going to work in their favor. It's just going to result in, you know, a, not, a longer extra time session. And uh, the 90 minutes itself will actually start to be played a bit quicker because players know that there's no point wasting part of the 90 because it's just going to come back to bite you. So I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Caught me off guard. 
probably like most people because I didn't know it was a thing. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping just to kind of loop it back to Serie A. I, I hope it's something Serie A adopts. Uh, I'm assuming they can't do it mid-season, but for the start of next season. <laughs> no, so I actually did read an article. I think Football Italia said they are planning on adopting it for the rest of the season in Serie A. Wow. They also a plan a progressive decision. Yeah, they also plan on releasing the uh, the VAR tapes or whatever the hell it was too, right? So I don't I don't know if I much... don't believe it when I see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. Uh, what, about, what about you, Mike? Thoughts on uh, whatever the, this new term is? Effective time. Effective time, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't mind it. I think it's uh, the only thing is that it's going to draw out games a little longer, which is fine by me. Um, maybe again, you're right. Over time, it kind of changes the way that these teams decide to or or not uh, pretend that they're hurt or whatever, etc. Um, does it? Yeah, does it have any effect on the short term on like players playing longer games? I don't know. Like, does does that have any um, physical effects? Do you think, Chris? I think it could, especially in the heat, which and late that... and late into games too, right? Like, mm-hmm. not not only in the heat, but like ninety eighth minute. You know 90... what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And I was just gonna say, like, once we get into the knockout rounds, if it's you know, if we get if we go ninety eighth, ninety ninth minute, and it's still tied, and then you're going and playing an extra thirty, right? That, that's where I think you'll really start to see that fatigue kick in now. What I'll add is FIFA has also adopted uh, or yeah approved the five substitute mm. um, rule, so that that's obviously two more than that than we're used to seeing at previous World Cups, and then they've also added that uh, concussion injury sub where if a player gets concussed, they can come off and I think or sorry, I think if you've already used your five subs or I. I'll have to look into that, but essentially I think if a player comes off due to a concussion, it doesn't count as one of your five. Um, it's either that or if you've already used your five subs and somebody gets hurt with a head injury, they can come off and it's technically your sixth substitution. And get and get replaced. And get replaced, yeah. <clears throat> right. Um, People are going to be faking concussions. I, I wonder, I would assume that the person who verifies that is a, a neutral third-party Physician. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, with FIFA, you never know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, I gonna, what I was going to tie into it, just speaking of heat, was I was expecting hydration breaks, but uh, I guess it's cool enough when they're playing the games that they don't need it. Um, I don't know if you guys were expecting that, just from what I heard with the general heat in Qatar, but I guess they did a good enough job cooling the, the, the stadiums off. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I I would have figured they would have because the last couple of tournaments they've had like cooling bricks and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even at the Euros there were yeah, some, so. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's definitely an interesting um, concept, and I, I'm I'm open to anything that that is making the game better. So mm-hmm. I'm ha- I'm happy to to see it, and if it doesn't work, then yeah pitch it but if not if it does work great <laughs> okay well uh what else do we have i guess it's really kind of it we have uh again we already kind of alluded to canada's game on sunday um 
we'll see. It's a big game, obviously, for them. And and aside from that, there's obviously a lot of uh, Syria uh, ties all over um, every other match day. But uh, I, I guess if there's if there's a story for sure, we'll, we'll kind of get to it. But if not, I think we can probably just expect that we'll, we'll be covering Canada pretty exclusively for this tournament. Especially when they're in the knockout rounds. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, yeah, I mean, with that, guys, do you have anything uh, else to add? Julian. Julian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think we'll go with the, uh, a nice Forza Canada. Nice. Uh, yeah, sorry, and Mike, I don't know if you mentioned it already, but uh, Serbia are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think you did mention that, yeah, Serbia playing tomorrow, just with all the, the Serie A players there. So um, I guess I'm cheering for Serbia. The talent, yeah, yeah. Is that your, is that your official endorsement? Who did you endorse? I can't remember before the tournament started. I endorsed Argentina. <laughs> yeah, you're safe. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to go edit that out. But uh, <laughs> no, that'll be that'll be a good game. Them in Brazil. Yeah, so you're, you're hoping for uh, a Vlaovic masterclass. No, not Vlaovic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anybody else? Jurjic. Sure. <laughs> Costage? No, him neither. Crap. Jurchit, I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, okay. For myself, I mean, just follow us on our uh, socials at RTW Calcio on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, we will be back uh, post Sunday's game uh, to make sure that we're we're keeping up with, uh, or ma- making sure that you're kept up with on all the happenings of the world cup. Uh, and yeah, I mean, aside from that, enjoy, uh, enjoy it because we have games tomorrow. What, what else is there games right away after that? I think Thursday and then yeah, Friday is the already the next round of matches. So we've got, uh, this is the best time of the four years. This right now when there's matches every day, consecutive and multiple games. Exactly. Yeah. So you can just literally veg out and watch all the games. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will return, uh, we'll return post-Sunday. All right, thanks, ciao, bye.